to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is Smitty. Now, I have no idea who had the worst, like, past few days. Me on Sunday, or you trying to get home from the Senior Bowl. Uh, both were pretty <laughs> rough, rough for various reasons. Um, yeah. Honestly, I would probably go with you, but, I, I mean, my Sunday Mine definitely lasted rough. longer, but I'm in good health, yeah. so I can't really complain. Yeah, every day since Thursday has just been ridiculous for me. I, and honestly, like I, I think I could write a book about it at this point. Myself, I shouldn't just include myself. Noah Strackbine, shout out to him. He was he was with me for the trip. He went through along with, you. with me for all this. Yeah, side by side. I hope I don't see him for like a year after how much time I spent with him. <laughs> um, but we so listen. Short story here. Uh, we thought we were leaving on Thursday, four o'clock from Mobile Airport after the Senior Bowl. We weren't staying for the game, and Thursday's practice got moved indoors. We couldn't go to it anyway, so we were just trying to get an earlier flight out of there and leave, so we moved it up from Friday to Thursday. Thursday, we go to the airport. As we are returning the rental car, Noah's handing the guy the keys. He gets a text on his phone that our flight got canceled. We go over to talk to the airline. Every flight was canceled out of Mobile besides Mississippi. That was the only place that any air, airplane was going that day. Was it like inclement weather or what were we dealing with? That? Yeah, there was like real. Um, so pretty much all the flights out of there that day were going to Houston. And uh, there was like real bad winds, I guess, in Houston. So they were all canceled besides, like I said, going to Mississippi. So they changed us. And this is something that they don't even do typically, but they had to make an exception here. They switched us. We were flying with United. United switched us to Delta to get us a flight out of there the following day at 7 a.m. But it was no longer out of Mobile's airport. We had to drive an hour and also rent a car for one day and do it as a one-way trip Mm -hmm. to Pensacola and leave the car there. So we had to pay another $200 to do that. So we go to Pensacola's airport. We had to leave at like 3.30 in the morning to make sure that we were there and everything. Very small airport, by the way. It's got to be amongst the smallest in the U.S., the one in uh, Pensacola. So we're there. We are on the plane. We back away from the terminal. Literally, the plane at this point is is in motion, and we stop, come to a complete stop, and they get over the thing. The pilot goes, hey, uh, hopefully it's just like the light not going off, but this light goes off if there is any type of like malfunction with the plane when we're going through all of our checks. So we got to get maintenance out here to take a look at it. We outsource the maintenance. So it takes 20 minutes to 30 minutes for the company to get on site to take a look at this thing. So we're just sitting on the plane while this is happening. Finally, they come back over and say, yeah, we're not. This plane's not moving. Uh, There is an issue with the wing of the plane and they need to get a part for it to fix it. So like, yeah, thank God it didn't take off. Right. But like we at that point knew not only was this going to be delayed, this plane wasn't going anywhere. And it was the same plane that was supposed to be used two other times. So it wasn't like it was just delaying for us later in the day we we had no right. option to, to to go later in the day <laughs> there was one last shot at getting out of this airport today it was at six o'clock because it was a completely different plane that was coming in so that happens finally we're out of pensacola at 6 p.m after being at that airport since 5 a.m pensacola based off where they're in florida that's uh that's not eastern time zone right no it's it's central just like mobile it's it's like an yeah. hour from mobile um so we fly to Atlanta now instead of Houston. We're at Atlanta. The um, departure time from there was supposed to be 1040. As soon as we get to the gate, we see that it was delayed until 1115. 
and then again delayed until 11.51. The pilot for that flight was stuck in Milwaukee <clears throat> due to the weather that they were having there. We get on the plane at like 11.30. We're waiting. We're waiting. Finally, he's even later than the 11.51 that it said. And we back up and then we come to a stop after we back away from the terminal. And he gets over the thing. And I'm like, dude, what is <laughs> happening right now? Oh, and he goes, man. hey, um, the light just went on. We're having a malfunction with the air conditioning on the plane. So we're going to have to get maintenance out here. Same exact thing. That Del- no, Delta outsourced. I, I, would, I would want the maintenance out there if the air conditioning wasn't working, too. Yeah. So 20, 30 minutes go by. They finally come out there. Now, the, the one thing that went right is the guy that fixed the air conditioning thing in maybe like five minutes. So it was very quick from that point on. Finally, we leave Atlanta um, after midnight. We get home around two or so. And then I get back to my house around three, something like that. Three thirty, probably closer to with the way that the weather was in Pittsburgh as well. It was pretty icy. They didn't touch any of the roads in Beaver <laughs> County. So. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun experience getting uh, back after Thursday. But I did have a good week uh, in Mobile leading up to that point. Another great event by Jim Nagy and staff. Uh, great time. Yeah, I was disappointed I wasn't able to go, but I did see a lot of cool stuff from Mobile, a lot of uh, good stuff from the players as well. Real quick, though, I just wanted to bring up a – since we're talking about your plane incident, I wanted to talk about a plane incident that involves Pittsburgh sports, actually. Um, this is And that's another reason why I hate Philadelphia, specifically the Philadelphia airport. Back in 2009, I was going to Germany with my older sister and my dad, and the night we were leaving was the night of Super Bowl 43. I was able to see the first drive of the Steelers, and then they punted, and we boarded the plane. We're sitting on this plane for, I would say, probably over an hour before we actually back out of the terminal. We start to back out, and then we have to go back. Because if there's some sort of issue, kind of like yours was. And we go back, then they have to, I think it's something that with like the de-icing or something like that. And they had to keep doing that. By the time we finally take off, it is past halftime. And probably an hour into the flight, they they announced that the Steelers have won the Super Bowl. Because of course the pilots knew. We, we had no idea. I got to miss all of it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what had happened so far. But the best part is... Whenever we were over Canada going over the Atlantic Ocean, we were probably about two and a half hours into the flight. The speaker comes on and they say, we have a malfunction. We have to go back to Philadelphia. We cannot make it to Germany. So I had a five hour round trip from Philadelphia to Philadelphia, and it made me miss Super Bowl 43. So I had, I had to relive that game in highlights. And it was Philadelphia. And that was that was the era. That was also the era before like smartphones and stuff. So I couldn't even like look it up on my phone. Like I the, yeah. the, the next morning I saw a newspaper because they put us up in a hotel. That next morning I saw a newspaper with Santonio Holmes like two feet down. And yes, he had two feet down. Shout out to our friend Richie. Um, on, on the front of the newspaper, and that's that's the the only thing I knew about the game. I literally had no idea what had happened in that game until I got home from Germany. So yeah. I hate Philadelphia. I mean, the worst part about that Philadelphia, Philadelphia airport. Yeah. Um, I, I also had another experience at the Philadelphia airport where I had a 14 hour layover, but that's just a, another reason I hate Philly. But enough about planes. Let's move on. <laughs> I was say, this, this first segment's pretty much already done, and we haven't even answered the question that we're supposed to. Uh, <laughs> but it is related to the Steelers. So that's really the only way I can segue this. Uh, 
the first question that we got here, uh, the one we're going to answer today, is going to come from Heather, a loyal listener of the show. Shout out to Heather. Um, she wants to know, uh, do we think that the Steelers will re-sign Joe Hayden this offseason? Or would the solution to just be to roll with Akella Witherspoon, who the team acquired last offseason, uh, in place of that? Now, this is kind of like a two-parter because Akella Witherspoon is also a free agent. Um, so mm-hmm. like you're, you're under the assumption that, I guess, with this question, that the team would be re-signing Akella Witherspoon and choosing to not re-sign Joe Hayden. Or do we re-sign Joe Hayden, not Akella Witherspoon? Do we re-sign both? That's also, I guess, a possibility. Um Listen, I, I'm very thankful for everything that, that Joe Hayden has done for the Steelers. I don't think that there is going to be a number and term that I'm comfortable with. Uh, if there somehow were to be great, I wouldn't mind having him back. I think he can still play at a decent enough level. I think that we he hasn't been as available as he'd like to be. He's 32 years old. He's already passed that drop-off point for most corners. Um, he's always a short tackler, though, especially at a position where you don't always see that. I, I question his ability to continue to play um, and, and stick with guys in coverage, though, as he continues to age. For me, if you're picking one of those two, it's definitely Akella Witherspoon. I like what Cam Sutton can do from a versatility standpoint. And then you look to add, you know, a corner or two uh, in the offseason, whether that's like one in the draft, one in free agency, whatever it might be. They're obviously going to have to add something to that room. Arthur Millette is also a free agent. We'll see if they have interest in bringing him back for what he brings to the uh, to the table in his role. I don't wouldn't mind it, uh, but also he's not very good guy in coverage. He's kind of just like a Mike Hilton light that they like to use around the line of scrimmage. Again, a short tackler. So with this question, I'm saying for me personally, I'm letting Joe Hayden walk for what I think that he's going to be seeking. And I'm bringing back Kella Witherspoon. I really like what he did in those last five, six weeks. Um, I think that he showed what he can do, and I just I'm, I'm intrigued by him continuing to build on that, especially with his secondary coach Terrell Austin now being named the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said about uh, Akella Witherspoon. I think no matter what happens with Joe Hayden, that he should be brought back. Um, and I, I feel like the two of us and a lot of Steelers fans had that same sentiment um, going into the off season. And the thing with Joe Hayden is, I think the the main thing about whether they should bring him back or not is what their plans are for the rest of the cornerbacks on this team. Like, Because we yeah. saw Cam Sutton is kind of more suited for that inside role than the outside role. He, I mean, he was fine in the outside role, he, and he can do it. Akella Witherspoon is, is good, and he hopes he can like go off of the, what he did at the end of the next season. But after that, there's really not a lot of help on the outside in this secondary. And what they do in free agency and the draft would probably determine what they want to do with Joe Hayden, because like you said, he's 32. He's going to be 33 by the next uh, next start of the season. I just don't see a way that we're going to give him what he would want. He could probably get a bigger number in free agency somewhere. And personally, I thought he was kind of like falling off a little bit and being a little bit more exposed towards the end of last season. But then again, it it has to do with the Steelers depth issues at that position specifically. If he is one of the better options that we could bring in, then I think they they should bring him back. But if they're able to find, yeah, leave the door open for sure. Yeah. But But I just think based off the age, what I saw going into the the end of the season, this past season and what we can expect, like there's other free agents I can get. There's corners in the draft they could try to get if they want to replace them. And I'm not saying that we'll get a starter right away, but you never know. And I just don't think that, the, like you said, the money and the term is probably not going to line up for where the Steelers are and where Joe Hayden's going to be. And what is the new GM for, of the Steelers after Kevin Colbert leaves? What is he going to think about the Joe, Joe Hayden resigning? Like, is he he going to want to bring him back and give him that term? Because we don't really know because Kevin Colbert's not going to be really making the decisions uh, after the draft. Right. 
Absolutely. Hey, let's keep talking about Terrell Austin being named the defensive coordinator. Also, we'll dive into some of the senior bowl talk as it pertains to the Steelers. We'll do that right when we come back. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Like I said, let's keep talking about Terrell Austin. Um, we were talking about the secondary, obviously, with Joe Hayden with Kella Witherspoon. What are they going to do there? One of them back, both of them back, neither of them back. Uh, Terrell Austin, though, their secondary coach, promoted to defensive coordinator, which we've had a long discussion about this, I feel like, over the course of the last couple episodes, because everybody jumps at the thought and are so scared by the thought of another inside hire. Terrell Austin, though, not just going back to last season where the Steelers secondary, I thought, played well over their heads when you talk about the personnel that they had and the way that they performed. And maybe a lot of those issues are masked by, I don't know, having a two-time All-Pro and Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end, sure. <laughs> but I, I thought that Terrell Austin has done a really good job with the secondary, so I have no issue with him being given that defensive coordinator position. I mean, you know, maybe they were kind <laughs> of – I, I don't know what the the right word is. They had to kind of do it to maybe prevent him from leaving. You know, there was a uh, who was it? The the Giants requested to interview him for their open spot. And that yeah. probably was like, OK, nope, nope. Can't have this happen. Um, so, you know, when you when that happens, I guess that kind of forced the Steelers hand. You know, do we want him to be the defensive coordinator? Or do we not? Because they were kind of sitting on their hands. They were talking about bringing other guys in for interviews. Um, but that's obviously not going to happen. Terrell Austin is the guy. One more time, I guess let's have a little discussion about it. How do we feel about it? You know, the more I think about it, I don't mind it as much as I did a couple weeks ago when I went on that little rant. Um, and again, it was nothing against Terror Austin. I was just kind of sick of this, the whole status quo of like the inside hires. But this one is a little different. I, I feel like this is it's I think it's also different, too, because he's been with the Steelers since what 2019. And that's whenever we saw the Steelers secondary start to perform better. And like you said, that could yeah, be it's not a long term internal hire. Yeah. It's not like somebody who's been with the team forever and that they're just trying to be loyal to that guy. It's a guy that came in and he had production in his area of the field and they're, they're promoting him for it. And I think that's fine. Um, I, I'm just excited for a fresh new start. And maybe maybe the defense looks the exact same way, because like we said, like, why would anybody want to come in? Because Mike Tomlin makes all the play calls. But I, I mean, I got to think that the defense would at least have a little bit difference schematically going from defensive coordinator to defensive coordinator, even if the head coach is calling the playbook. I, I feel like it's going to be like their schemes. But Mike Tomlin is maybe the one that's uh, calling the shots within that scheme. So I, I'm looking forward to the new yep. uh, defensive coordinator. I mean, this. It's been back and forth whether we actually liked Keith Butler or not a lot uh, as defensive <laughs> coordinator for the Steelers over the past, I don't even know, has, yeah. has it been like seven, eight years? So it was a while. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for a new future. There's a lot of new with the Steelers team moving forward. Yeah, I will say like with Keith Butler, obviously his strength is always getting after the quarterback and you got to have the personnel to do it. But look at where the Steelers have, have ranked in sacks for six seasons straight. Um, that's pretty telling. But now I think what you have is that that's not going to go anywhere, in my opinion, because of the talent that they have up front. But now you're getting a more 
um, you know, that defensive back secondary mindset that hopefully can help out with some of the coverage things as well. Um, it will be interesting to see, in my opinion, how that they address the personnel on the defensive side of the football with Terrell Austin as defensive coordinator, as Keith Butler, is it, it's the kind of status quo. How much of a hand is he going to have just because he's defensive coordinator? We know that this is still Mike Tomlin's defense, but how are those two going to work together uh, on game days? So I, I'm interested to see, but I definitely don't have like the same feeling as I did about like Matt Canada as I do with Terrell Austin. It's, it's a very different feeling that I For have. Sure. I'm completely fine with this one. Um, and like I said, he had just done a virtual interview with the Giants on Saturday. So the Steelers obviously felt like, you know, there's other organizations that want this guy. We better if we want him, we better lock this thing up and, and get this deal done. So congratulations, to Terrell Austin. We'll see how this works out. Let's talk about what I was doing this past week, though. Uh, I was down at the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama. Like I said, great event. Jim Nagy and in company. Of you, by the way, always put together. Yeah, I mean, just from a, a food and friends standpoint as well. Obviously, the football, watching that stuff live is always great. Um, but just just cool to to you know connect with people and people that I see every year for the event, and also you know people that I, I might just be meeting for the first time. Had a great conversation with Jack Del Rio at the bar. Uh, so <laughs> about the Steelers quarterback situation, I don't want to dive too much into that, but um, some scouts of other teams, I, me and you can saw you were chilling outside next of the show to, about some was of it stuff. Le'Veon Bell's agent. Le'Veon Bell's agent at the airport. That wasn't even at the senior bowl. He was complaining about being at the senior bowl, by the way, he, he said he made a mistake. and should have been <laughs> at the pro bowl instead. But, uh, but yeah, so this, what, what caught my eye was the same thing that caught the Steelers eye. It's a, why a lot of people that are covering the team were down there was to see the quarterbacks, five out of the top six quarterback prospects taking part in the event this year. Uh, one of them being Pitt University quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Um, Kenny and the Steelers gloves, certainly hands, had Kenny Pickett. Well, you know what's funny? I was just about to bring up the two gloves thing. He's only wearing one the one day that they were practicing in the very heavy rain. Oh, really? So, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know what to think, make of it. If Kenny Two Gloves isn't going to be Kenny Two Gloves, that's stock down for me. But uh, he obviously had a, a little bit of the Steelers' attention. Uh, Malik Willis, to me, was kind of the guy, though, that the Steelers were really, really interested in looking at. And he's just such a polarizing prospect. You know, it seems like evaluators either love him or hate him, think he's going to be like a top five talent or might be in the league like two years. Like, like the variance is so ridiculous here. Um Day one, and, and somebody said this, summed it up, and I it was probably, in my mind, perfect, was Malik Willis had the five best throws of the day, and he had the five worst throws of the day. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what you're getting from Malik Willis. You know it's a project. But when you look at this quarterback class as a whole, and where it's like, in my mind, Kenny Pickett's the only guy that like I can for sure say this guy is going to be an NFL starter, but at what level? You know, is he he's probably more of like a a low ceiling, high floor guy. You know, that you're going to always be thinking about, can we upgrade on this guy? But, you know, he's good enough for your team to win. Malik Willis, with what that ceiling is, even with as low as the floor is, when we talk about taking shots at quarterbacks, it's for a franchise guy. And he is the one guy, in my opinion, that could come out of this class and be that guy, be a franchise guy. So I, if I'm taking a shot on one quarterback this year, it's not Kenny Pickett, it's Malik Willis. Yeah, I got to say that my whole mindset on how this offseason is going to go towards the quarterback position has changed just in the week of the Senior Bowl. And it's not that I thought they weren't going to bring in a different quarterback, and uh, but we had talked about that we thought it was going to be like a veteran guy. Like we mentioned Tyrod Taylor many times. Marcus Mariota's been thrown around. I mean, there's, there's just various names of a, like a guy who's just like a, 
old starter that can get the job done, but is, is more of a stopgap quarterback. But after mm-hmm. seeing the Senior Bowl and seeing all the stuff of them watching the quarterbacks, and especially Malik Willis, I mean, the whole I, – I think it's a big deal that not just – like Matt Canada was talking to him. I mean, he had Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, like he had everybody. And he talked to Kevin to Colbert. his parents as well. Did we, I don't know if you knew this, you know, Rooney was there, not on the field talking no. to them, but you know, Rooney was at in attendance for the I event. Had, I had no idea. Yeah. The, and, and, and that's even more. I feel like he's not there unless they're looking at quarterbacks who, what, like what position are they realistically going to look at that? Art Rooney, the second is going to sh- make an appearance. Let's be real. But yeah. My whole mindset has been changed because I thought they were going to go into this draft not worrying about the quarterback position. And not that this this quarterback's draft is bad, but it's just kind of not up to the par that we've seen over the last like four or five years. We've had a lot of great quarterback drafts the past few years. This one's kind of not the same, but there are st- still a few guys that could be NFL starters. I just didn't think they were going to take one. Now my mind's completely yeah. flipped, and I'm like, if if one of those two, like if Ken, I think if Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, whichever one, if they're at twenty, that's who they're taking. Even if a guy like I, I'm in love with if Tyler Linderbaum's there, I don't think they're going to take him. I, I think I think they're going to take Man. the quarterback. Yeah, which which would yeah. be a hard I, sell. I feel like based off of the talent that Tyler Linderbaum could be, but just based off seeing them interact with the quarterbacks this week, I don't I don't know how I could feel any differently. But. Also, how the quarterbacks are formed, neither of those guys might be there at 20. And so what do you think of the idea right. of trading up? How far up would you be comfortable trading up for one of those quarterbacks? Because, like I said, this isn't like a stellar quarterback draft. It's not like we're trading up for, I, I don't know, J- Justin Herbert. Like, we're trading up for either probably Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Could be great talents, but how much are we going to risk giving up for that talent, that's a huge question mark if they're going to be a franchise guy. Yeah, if you're asking me, I don't do it. I mean, I'm, I I think that the thing here, though, is, and I'm completely on board with this, if the franchise, which is really the only thing that matters, feels like there is a franchise quarterback in this draft, they have to be willing to trade up to do it. I don't care what the other holes on the roster are. If you have a shot at a franchise quarterback, you go up and get him. I don't care what the other holes are. I would have been fine if the Steelers did it last year for Justin Fields. Okay. And that might bring on the hate comments. I don't care. I would have been fine if they would have done it for Justin Fields last year. Um, That's how much I like Justin Fields. There's not a quarterback that I personally feel like that about this year, but that doesn't mean that the team doesn't think that way. I think that both those guys go in the top dozen picks. So what is it going to take for them to do that? Let's just take a look at like 2019 trade that they made to go up and get Devin Bush. They gave up pick we number were also 20. Sitting at 20. Yeah, we were also sitting at 20 that year. That's kind of why I'm bringing it up because I, I think that there was a I don't I can't remember who's is it the Jets that have the 10th pick or something. There, there's talks that whoever has 10 is trying to move out of that. So it got my mind going. Oh, wow. This is like the same situation the Steelers were in in 2019 if they were trying to jump from 20 to 10. So it is the Jets. Yeah, I think the Jets are looking to move out of there. Um, so 20 to 10 in 2019 cost them pick number 20, a second round pick, and then a third round pick to do. Here's my now. Question, I think though. that the difference there though, is, you, you know, you're, if for a quarterback, it's different. Like if another team is trying to move That's, up for a quarterback, first off that, that gets the asking price much higher. I think that you could be talking about including a, a first the following year. 
yeah. instead of uh, the second that they included in the same year, and then maybe also like a third. I mean, I would be looking more at like what Chicago gave up last year for Fields to move from twenty to eleven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like I, the the game changes whenever the team that you're trading with knows that you want to take a quarterback because they hold all the yeah. all the cards. They 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 can do whatever they want. They don't have to move. Um, I would not be comfortable doing that. Like uh, even trading up any bit really i would just rather just sit at 20 and see how everything falls and then make a decision based off who's sitting at 20 if a quarterback's not there then oh well there's going to be more quarterbacks in other drafts there's quarterbacks every year but i i just again we're not the organization they might think completely different than i do they might think hey malik malik willis the talent on this guy and the ceiling on this guy is too high we cannot pass it up they might move into the top 10 but that's just not something comfortable I personally would be willing to do. I just think that draft capital for this team, because it's not just the quarterback that's the issue. It's a lot of holes on this team that are the issue. I just don't think you can sacrifice the draft capital capital trying to make this team, and specifically the offense, better by trading up for a quarterback. I think, yeah, it's more of a testament to me um, of the quarterback class and how I feel about it than it is giving up the draft capital. Because like I said, if they feel like, if I felt like there was a franchise guy that they can move up and go get, say it's next year and we're talking about, oh, should they trade up to go get CJ Stroud or to go get Bryce Young? Like I I would do that. Like I said, I would have done it in 2021 for a Justin Fields. Um, So I, I just, I don't feel that way about any of the guys in this class. What I was going to ask you, though, um, as it pertains to Malik Willis, is this is an interesting thing that I've brought up to other people as well, talking about this, just because, uh, you know, there's there's clearly the interest there. I'm the one that I I got a couple pictures of them talking to him. By the way, Matt Canada was furious with me for taking that one picture in the concourse of them talking to his family. Um, So actually, you feel like the Steelers. I mean, did you see his face in the picture? Like most people no. are trying to like be discreet. And <laughs> most people are like trying to be discreet and, and get it. I'm literally just pulled out my phone right in the contours and snapped the picture <laughs> and put it up right away. Uh, but do you trust the Steelers to get the most? Because we're talking about how very high of a variance here. We're talking about with Malik Willis. Do you trust that the Steelers would be a good organization for him to land in? Like wh- obviously they don't have the track record necessarily with this regime of developing quarterbacks, but they also haven't spent like a high pick to do so. I'm just looking right. at Mike Sullivan's track record, my lack of belief in Matt Canada and thinking is Pittsburgh really the spot for Malik Willis to develop into the player that he potentially could become. Probably not, but again, things might be different. Like the Matt Canada offense might be different with a guy like Malik Willis compared to a 39 year old quarterback. Now they need a lot of help. Uh, the other areas of the offense as well to help Malik Willis get there, like the offensive line. But mm-hmm. maybe that offense is more suited for a guy like that. And Mike Sullivan, I mean, maybe we he hasn't really had a talent that he's been able to develop. And it's kind of hard. I mean, not that it's hard to develop whenever you have a starter in front of you. But I mean, if you're a guy like Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, like you knew Ben was going to be in front of you. You knew that you were not going to be the starter. I think it's completely different whenever it's an open race, especially if they draft a quarterback. Like it's not going to, if they draft Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, it's not, oh, Mason Rudolph's going to be the starter for a year. It's going to be like, okay, who's going to win the competition? Because right away it's a competition just based off of the skill set that we've seen from the other two mm-hmm. quarterbacks that are currently on the Steelers. Yeah. I just, I don't know 
Honestly, that's my answer. I have no idea what the Steelers can do developing a quarterback because they haven't really had to develop a quarterback, at least at a, the starter level, for a long time. Right. And I'm not, that's, that, that sounds like a bad excuse, but it, I think it's kind of a valid one. Like whenever you know that you're not going to be the starter, they haven't. But what I, the reason I'm saying that is because the quarterback coach, the positional coach, Mike Sullivan, does not have that track record either. Because when he was in New York, while Eli Manning was developing, Mike Sullivan was the wide receivers coach. By the time he got moved to mm-hmm. quarterback coach, Eli Manning was done developing. He obviously had a, had a fine career, won a couple Super Bowls. He's, he's up there. Um, but then you look at everything else. It's really like the only relatively high pick that was spent on a quarterback during his time in that position uh, was Drew Locke in Denver. And it's like, is that is that what you want on your resume? That's that's your that's what we're talking about here. I mean, right. I don't know. So it, it's a huge question mark to me. I just have qualms about how this guy would develop in Pittsburgh. And if we would get the most out of him, I think a place. Um, like Atlanta with Arthur Smith with like a very RPO heavy offense with the way that he ran things in Tennessee and how I think that he wants to run things in Atlanta once eventually they move on from Matt Ryan. And the best part about that situation is Malik Willis sits for at least a year, which I think definitely needs to happen because I don't think that he's ready to play right away. So Mm -hmm. I, I just I don't think that Pittsburgh is an ideal landing spot. That means absolutely nothing in the eyes of the Pittsburgh Steelers, though. If he's the guy, he's the guy. Um, I want to talk about some other names, though, because they also showed some interest in some other guys. Um, they were watching the offensive line at one point very closely. Um, that's always, you know, something that you got to start winning in the trenches. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, that has to be an area of concern. Everybody, I'm sure, is very curious as to what the Steelers plan of attack is on the offensive line. Some guys that really stood out this week to me, and and let's talk about who I thought maybe was uh, the best player at the Senior Bowl this week was Zion Johnson. I think he was the big winner among the offensive line. I think the best part about him was his versatility. He was taking snaps at center as well as at guard. Now, this is where Steelers fans are going to be like, nope, we're not doing it. We don't need another Kendrick Green. I'm going to say pause. Is this another Kendrick Green situation? Like, did he start at center it, in college or? No, no, no. He's, he's a guard. He's a guard sense. from Boston. He's a Boston College guard. Um, so, right. well, I, you're about to this get would PTSD be, if you keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a situation where I think that the team does one of two things. And one is, is definitely what the fans would rather have them do. One, they just chalk up last year to him being a rookie and give Kendrick Green another shot at center and continue to develop him there. Two, they completely move on the idea of Kendrick Green after one year. Um, Zion Johnson, to me, is a guard that could go in the first round, and that that's definitely very indicative. That's, that's a demanding statement because you don't see guards go in the first round too often. I think that he has mm-hmm. a shot to go in the back end of round one. That's how good he's been. That's how good he was down there. Do you want to hear something great about him? He grew up a Steelers fan and his favorite player is Marquise Pouncey. So that, that is a good trait, but if we're going to use him as center, like <laughs> I said, I might get a little PTSD at least for the first, probably was also working until we get to the season to see how he does. Was also working out after practice with Kenny Pickett on snapping the ball. I did see you post that picture. So, yeah, so he was maybe getting some practice. Steeler duo. Uh, could be, but, could be some other um, guys that they were definitely taking a look at. I, this, it's to me a foregone conclusion. This guy's going to be a Steeler. Brother of Cameron Hayward, Connor Hayward, definitely has interest from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the reason that I'm okay with this, I think that he kind of fills like three roles for them. Um, 
would obviously be playing some fullback, so that takes Derek Watt out of the equation. You cut him. I think it also kind of eliminates their need to sign a third tight end. Um, this guy can catch passes. We've seen him do it as Pitt fans. We've seen him do it to Pitt, especially in that bowl game. Um, but And then he plays special teams, too. I, I think that what he does is very like it's going to be limited i think the number of teams that are like we we want to draft this guy but i think for, uh, like he's probably still gonna go day three um mm-hmm. a day three pick i don't mind spending it on a guy that can can kind of check three different boxes for this team so i don't think it's just like your typical oh he's the brother of a stealer so you know add him to the roster like we have with with um you know trey edmonds like who's like the fifth longest tenured stealer now for whatever reason um and basically Derek but, watt because he doesn't really do anything either yeah good special teams player but you can't pay a guy like three million dollars to do that so this is again this is what you're doing i think you get a little bit of an upgrade here for sure and you also make significantly less money and then he also eliminates the need for a third tight end you can roll with Fryermuth, gentry and connor hayward um yeah, I mean, they were definitely doing some homework on other guys, but it's like it's hard to talk about guys outside of the quarterback position because as long as those guys were throwing the ball and those drills were going on, that's who they were keying in on. Like, I really didn't see them spending much time looking at like those wide receiver cornerbacks one on ones. Yeah, and based off of this week, I just don't think either of those quarterbacks are going to be there. So I don't think we're going to be looking at a quarterback. I don't think the Steelers are going to trade up for one. Um, but you never know, honestly. I didn't think we didn't think we were gonna trade up for Devin Bush a few years ago as well. So, right. but if if you are the GM and you have Malik Willis at twenty and you have Tyler Linderbaum at twenty, which one are you taking? Man. If you're listening to this podcast, by the way, it didn't end. I was just take I'm, I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> about this. Um I this is very tough. I think Linderbaum, obviously, the much, much, much safer pick fills the immediate need. He'd play right away. I, I think after seeing what a guy like Creed Humphrey did immediately as a rookie, like you're like, oh, man, we can get an all pro center right away. Like that's the type of player that this guy could be. Um, But it's just back like positional value here, man. Like Malik Willis is a quarterback as opposed to right. a center like. I, I just think if they feel like he's a franchise guy, the fact that he would fall to 20 would be a blessing to them. They'd be thinking like, we just got away with robbery here and wouldn't even think twice about it. Let's run to the podium. Every scout that was down there that I talked to said they feel the same way about the Steelers and Malik Willis as they did about the Steelers and Najee Harris last year. So forget what I would, would do. It They would take Malik Willis in that situation. I think for me, just because I don't, again, think that Malik the best version of Malik Willis will happen in Pittsburgh and I don't feel that way about any quarterback in this draft I would take Linderbaum and address the quarterback next year in the draft yeah well I guess we'll have to wait and see but the I just think things got a lot more interesting when it came to the draft the draft is interesting already with who are they going to pick especially with the first round but the fact that they're looking at quarterbacks now throws another wrench in it I think we're a couple months away too, but we definitely plan on doing um, a live show again this year. Last year's was so much fun. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. So don't don't make any other draft night plans. You can come right here and watch the draft with us. Um, and yeah, it's going to be way more exciting, I think, than last year because last year, as soon as 
we knew where the Steelers were, we were like, okay, Najee Harris gets 24. That's who they're taking. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah. I, I was talking to a Jag scout, and they were like, yeah, uh, like Najee Harris was going to be the pick at 25. Like, had the Steelers not taken him at 24, it was going to be Najee Harris. So it wasn't a situation where it was like they were so keyed in on um, Travis Etienne just to appease Trevor Lawrence. It was going so to be Najee Harris. It was kind of like 25. a uh, Bengals situation with the Steelers a few years ago. Whenever the with Steelers William Jackson and Artie Burns. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. They were eyeing mm-hmm. the same position and they took their guy. They just weren't willing to trade up, which I can't blame them. Like I'm, de- like I, I thought it was a bad pick for them to go running back with James Robinson on the roster to begin with. Let alone had they traded up to do it to get a 23 year old Najee Harris. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I listen. I love Najee Harris. I, I'll never say that it was a great pick though for the Steelers. I'm sorry. I think he's a great play. I think great player, great person. Yada 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 for what this team needed for when they're going to be good. And I still think that they're a couple years away. And by that point, what version of Najee Harris are we going to get? I still can't fall in love with it. I love Najee Harris, though. And time will tell. Najee might be good for a while. We don't know. If the Steelers are somehow, if the Steelers are still somehow competing like the next couple of years, and if that's the case, I'm sure he'll be a massive reason why, then yeah, it will change my mind. But I just think that we're about to go through a little bit of a rebuild here. And there's no point of having a running back like him on the roster through that. So. We don't like the word rebuild in Pittsburgh. We prefer retooling. No, in, in Pittsburgh. Have you been watching the Pirates? Yeah. Maybe with the Steelers, but Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, let's talk about another team in Pittsburgh. We come back. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the show. As we always do, talk about the Penguins. Only one game to talk about, but maybe we can talk about just the trend that we've seen going back to even some of the games that we were talking about last week. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Let's wrap up the show talking about the Pens. Uh, like I said, only one game this week. They lose in overtime to the Capitals despite going three for five on the power play, putting up 47 shots on goal. And it's just kind of indicative of what we've seen in this latest trend for the Pens where they've lost four games in a row now, three of which, though, were in overtime. So at least they get a point, I guess. Not necessarily playing bad hockey. It's just whenever they do make a mistake, the other team is cashing in right now. And they have just gone absolutely dry at 5v5. They're only scoring on the power play, a far cry from where they were just a month ago, where they couldn't do anything on the power play, but were dominating at even strength. So what what is going on with this team right now? It, it By the way, I, I do want to mention, I mentioned this to you before, right before we start recording, this mm-hmm. team, I mentioned the power play, they're now 11th in the league in power play percentage, which makes absolutely no sense to me. The Evgeny Mountain effect is very much intact with this team. Yeah, like I mentioned, I, th- I think they were the, around like 26 or something whenever he came back on the team. Yeah. So it's crazy that they jumped up that far. But what's happening with the team, man, I, I wish I could tell you. I have no idea what's going on with their bottom six. Like absolutely no offensive production whatsoever. And what was frustrating about that Capitals game is they were just giving it up every single time they got the lead. And it, it's kind of like a trend that we, we saw earlier in the season. Granted, we had a lot of guys out then. 
So it was more of a, I don't want to say an excuse, but like it, it was feasible to see why the Penguins were performing as poorly as they were. Now that's not the case, and they're kind of in the same boat where they're not playing terrible hockey. They're just not really dominating like they were like a month ago. And I, I think that a big difference in that is the the depth scoring, like we've talked about before. They just get absolutely nothing. And you mentioned 5v5. They don't get anything from the entire team recently. But the depth scoring is what was making this team so good in that stretch. And even at the beginning of the season when they were missing guys, where they were like a couple weeks, but they were playing well, it was all because all four lines were generating offense. And that's the way that the Penguins get success. They haven't had that in quite some time. They've really just been relying on that top pairing and Gino to score all those, those goals. And ba- so basically the power play <laughs> and, and yep. it, it's, it's just not sustainable. I don't, I don't really know how to fix it too. Like, is it a coaching? Uh, is it coaching? Is it effort? I mean, for some, some guys, captain might be effort. Um, I, I just don't really know what's going on with this team. Uh, they, they, like they, like I said, they, they look okay. Sometimes they just don't look like they're getting a lot out of their players. Kasperi Kapanen, one goal in the last 12 games. Jeff Carter, one goal in the last 11 games. Evan Rodriguez, zero goals in his last 13 games. Uh, I think that's your answer as to what's going on right now. Like those three to me, along with like I mentioned, Danton Heinen's dealing with a little bit of an injury now, though I brought him up on the last episode. Zach Daston Reese has one goal all year. Dom Simone has two goals all year. Like that can't happen. This has absolutely nothing to do with Evgeny Malkin coming back and holding this team back. You can't have all these guys just absolutely go freezing cold together. Why does this happen when the stars come back? It's it's not on no, the superstars. It's funny. It's, it's, why do these guys we, change the way that they're playing? I make I make fun of the Edmonton Oilers because I feel like if you're able to shut down the one line, you can shut down the entire team. And... I, I was able to make fun of them because that's not the pe- way the Penguins operated. Recently, that's kind of been the way the Penguins operated. If the top line doesn't score and the power, the top power play unit does not score, they're not going to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's a team that he just mentioned like a couple weeks ago. We're 26th in the league in power play percentage. Now have to rely on the power play just to keep them in games. Um you know, let me look at Danton Heinen before the injury. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He had gone 10 games without a goal, uh, you know, and it's just was Teddy Bluter that important to this team? I think I think he definitely was important, but it's why is it he gets hurt and all of a sudden nobody is important on the, the offensive side of the puck? Like, yeah. why? we did not think of that. Teddy Bluger is like an offensive driver to the game. He comes out and the bottom six just goes freaking cold and yeah well hold on. I'm, I'm looking if, at you're, McGinn, if your name's not Mc, if your name's go ahead well i was gonna say brock mcginn it's kind of sad that uh, and good for him i'm happy that he he's been scoring he's got uh 10 goals this year but like we mm-hmm. did not bring in brock mcginn thinking that he was gonna be one of the offensive leaders on that bottom six right no not even just the bottom six of the team like like he's mm-hmm. been scoring at a higher rate than a lot of like a lot of the players you were saying, like Kapanen and Kapanen's nine. I mean, what, what does Jeff Carter have? He has 12, but he doesn't. He only has one in the last 11. Yeah, I, I just it, it's it's really odd to me mm-hmm. the way that the scoring is going for the Penguins. 
Because, like I said, and those guys have also played in forty and forty-five games. By the way, have Carter and Kapanen. and like you look at Brian Rust and say he's only scored fourteen this year. He's only played in twenty-four games. So yeah, and like I said last week, it's it's odd to me that like when the stars come back, I said that maybe your play time gets limited, and obviously, like in I made the case for Evan Rodriguez, like you you go from being like a top line center to going on a third line wing or whatever. Obviously, you're not going to have the same skill set on your wings or like on your line, but I just don't think the production would drop off that bad. I mean, the the cold spell that a lot of these guys have had has been lasting for way too long, and I don't really think that it's going to affect the team when it comes to like the trade deadline that much because we know like what this team is when they're all functioning. But like, maybe it does. Like, I don't. Do you think they try to offload some of these players like Kapanen, and like Jason Zucker trying to get his money off the books? I mean, we could talk about that. I, I don't know what they're going to do in that situation because they're, they're just not being productive. But what are they going to get for him? Who wants them? If I were a betting man, I don't think that they do. So but I, I will say I think it's on the table for them to move Kasperi Kapanen. Um, clearly, he he's not. I don't want to say he's completely fallen out of favor with Sullivan, but how many times are we going to see him start a game with Gino and then get moved off that line? I mean, he's he's not being scratched from the lineup right now, but he's pretty much as much in the doghouse as you could be without that happening. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the question. Fourth line and like halfway through the period. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question for them to move him. He's the only one I'm, I'm looking at, though, on the roster and saying that it's a possibility. Um, and I don't even know what that trade would look like. You know, is it like a, a one for one hockey trade? Like, what do they try to do? Because I, I have no clue where his value is right now. We're talking about a guy that's in, in RFA at the end of the season, too. I just it, it's tough to evaluate what his what his value is right now, not just to the Penguins, but to any team, because he's got a really good shot. He's got good speed. Like, it, it really makes no sense. You just keep waiting for him to put it all together. It's just we've seen glimpses of it, but we haven't seen like a, a stretch in a very long time. If he's not shooting at a ridiculously high percentage, like he was uh, for a good stretch last year, he's just, he doesn't bring much to the table. Yeah. And the trade deadline is going to get here before we know it. I think this is the first time we've actually brought it up this hockey season, but it's it's getting close. We're like within a month away or a little over a month or I I don't know how it works with the, the late start or whatever, but it's, it's, it's going to come up and, what are we going to see change for the Penguins from now until then that could affect the trade deadline? I don't know. Hopefully, all lines start to play better together. That's 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 the best thing that could happen for this Penguins team is that all oh. lines start to score and get production because otherwise, we're just going to get a lot of the same of what we've been seeing, a lot of OT losses because the top line can't keep up with the other team. It's, it's a late trade deadline this year, March 21st. Oh, so... Yeah, then you really start to wonder about returns because that's like for rentals, that's like a, a very short term rental. Yeah, I mean that's what so that's actually sh- that's a shorter term for whenever the, like t- based off when the season ends than it normally is. Normally, it's like the the last Monday or Wednesday, well, last Monday in February, and right. yeah, the, but the, the season goes into like the second week of April. Now it's March 21st, and I think it's a, isn't it similar. Like the, the season ends around like mid April, so you only get these guys for like a month in potential um, playoff. But you know, like rentals, like that could affect the way the the teams look at it. And uh, the, the Penguins, la- so the Penguins just, last game is on the 29th of April. So, 
Okay. Yeah. So I mean, give them a little, a little Five over weeks. a month, but yeah, I, I I just I don't see them going out for like a big fish rental. I just because I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to give up the capital. It's hexed. Interesting to see if like any so. teams do based off that. I don't know. Um, That's how but yeah, I mean, if your name's not uh, Sidney Crosby, Brian Ross, Jake Gensel, or Evgeny Malkin, I'm not even going to really touch on the defensive guys because to me, like those guys have been fine. I think it's really about like the bottom six scoring right now, the complimentary scoring. Um, you're on a milk carton right now, so we need <laughs> to find you because you need to you need to start producing, especially those three names I really brought up to lead off this thing. Um, you got anything else? No, that's it. I hope we have a better week um, than we got hockey back so, this yeah. past weekend. Yeah, we do have hockey back. We got a few games this week. It's I hate the one game, and I get that this is the All Star break. By the way, I don't know. Are you are you an All Star guy? Like, do you pay attention to like the All Star events, not just for hockey, for any sport? I one hundred percent will choose the skills challenges over the game every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Agreed. Agreed. Um, also, shout out to Jake Gensel for using Milkshake as his song to to use. Yeah, and he is so close to going perfect and, and being right yep. there with Aho. Man. Yeah. But shout out to – hey, they had a good performance. The Metro won, by the way. Uh, and Tristan Jari, some of those saves he made down the stretch were a big reason why. Not exactly thrilled with Claude Drew winning MVP, but he was playing on the same line with Jake. So was Jake Gensel the reason he won MVP? I don't know. I'm going to push that narrative. Probably. Sidney <laughs> Crosby makes Jake Gensel, and Jake Gensel makes Claude Drew. Uh, the week ahead, the Pens got <laughs> the Bruins on Tuesday, the Senators on Thursday, the Devils on Sunday. So those are the three games we'll talk about the next time that we are talking to you guys uh, a week from now. Other than that, please be sure to subscribe to the channel. We got your, us right here, obviously, around the 412, all the other independent podcasts, all the staff podcasts, player interviews, media availability for the coaches, all that good stuff right on this channel. You don't need to go anywhere else. So subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new video is posted, when we go do the live premieres, which are every uh, every day of the week, day, every weekday, I'm sorry, 2 p.m., us on Mondays, Yinzhurst Tuesdays, Wednesday open right now. Thursday, we got um, podcast on 5th. Friday, we got Pirates Fan Forum at 2 and then the Steeler Nation podcast at 6. What more can you ask for? Content or Lord being thrown your way on the DJ Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. Uh, other than that, for Tyler, I'm Smitty. This is Around the Forward 2 on the DJ Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.